0: All right, today I'm going to speak on nurturing the heart. And like he said, after church today, I'm going to be talking about uh, uh, the fears that are associated with the heart triad. And um, so as is my practice, I am going to tell you what I am going to say. And then I'm going to say it. And then I'm going to tell you what you just heard. All right, are you ready? So today I'm going to talk about number one. What do I mean by heart? Number two, what does it mean to nurture my heart? And number three, why should I nurture my heart? So, number one, what do I mean by heart? In this context, what I mean by heart is that it is one of the three centers of intelligence that God has given us to know ourselves, to know Him to know the way forward, and to know his will for our lives. The head center gives us intelligent thoughts. The gut center gives us intelligent instincts. And the heart center gives us intelligent feelings. Or said another way, our heart provides one-third of the intelligence that we need. Our gut or instincts provide one-third of the intelligence we need, and our mind or thoughts provide one-third of the intelligence we need for discernment of reality. Each of us tends to overly rely on just one of those centers of intelligence. So those who live from the gut center tend to know first, and then they think, and then they feel. And those who favor the heart center tend to feel first, and then they think, and then they know. Those who favor the head center tend to think first, and then they feel, and then they know. If we know which center we lead with, we can develop a healthy skepticism on when we are doing just that, overly, overly relying on one center to the neglect or diminishment of the other two. We can catch ourselves in the act of believing that our feelings always tell us the truth. We can catch ourselves in the act of believing that our thoughts always tell us the truth. Or we can catch ourselves in the act of believing that our instincts are always telling us the truth. Our center of intelligences don't have by themselves the sum total of what we need, but together they do a marvelous job. We are not our feelings, we are not our thoughts, and our instincts might tell us what to do, but rarely do they tell us how to do it. So that is what I mean by heart. It is one of the three centers of intelligence. Number two, what does it mean to nurture my heart? It means creating an environment where our hearts feel so safe that they are willing to share all of their feelings with us, knowing that they won't be punished Doing so. Our hearts will feel safe if it knows it will be listened to. Our hearts are like children. A child is more likely to talk if it knows it will be in- listened to. I know I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again is that whenever I have a feeling that I'm ashamed of, like insecurity or jealousy, I'll often imagine a little girl, and she's about three years old, and she's standing in front of me. And in order for me to be eye level with her, I get down on my knees, I put my hands on both sides of her face, on her cheek, and I look her in the eye, and I say, Sweetie, of course you're feeling jealous. Of course. You're feeling insecure. Anybody would. And I give her a hug, and I hold her until she no longer needs comforting. I comfort her, and I reassure her. I don't shame her for having those feelings. I don't shame her for feeling jealous. I don't shame her for feeling insecure. I love her, and I tell her, of course, she's feeling that way. Anyone would feel that way. This is called nurturing your heart. We all have our ways of dismissing our hearts and dismissing our feelings. Often our feelings are exhausting and irrational and not very flattering, to say the least. Any and all of those things are enough to give us the excuse that we need to flit over our feelings, to rationalize them, to dismiss them, to reject them, to diminish them, to repress them, to hate them, to fear them. And boy, that is a lot of things we do to deny that there might be some intelligence there. So one of the first ways to acknowledge that the heart is intelligent is to not automatically dismiss, diminish, reject, repress, hate, or fear our feelings. And while we are not dismissing them, let's go a step farther and actually listen to them. And if we need to, comfort our heart. And let her know that we are on her side. She is not the enemy. Number three, why nurture your heart? We nurture our hearts so that it will give us intelligence, just like we fertilize plants so that they will give us its fruit. This is not an exhaustive list, but here are three ways in which the heart is intelligent. Number one, the heart knows what needs grieving. Number two, the heart knows what we fear. And number three, the heart knows what desires God has put in it. Number one, the heart is intelligent in that it knows what needs grieving. This goes back to not censoring our feelings we have to feel our sorrows so that we can grieve our sorrows ungrieved sorrows are unhealed sorrows if we grieve well the day will come when we are done grieving we will be healed We will have the same thoughts that used to bring an overwhelming wave of sorrow. But this time, there will be no overwhelming wave of sorrow. There will just be the thought. You are done grieving at that point. Because you have done the hard work of feeling your feelings and grieving your losses. Grieving does not mean thinking sad thoughts. By grieving, I mean crying wet tears and kicking and screaming and wailing and gnashing your teeth and sitting in sackcloth and ashes as often as you need to for months or years, if that's what it takes, until you are done. You will have honored the intelligence of your heart. You will have received her wisdom. She will have told you this needs grieving. And you will have listened to her and grieved. And I will say to you, well done. Number two, the heart also tells us what we are afraid of. And we are afraid of a lot. Unfortunately, many of our fears get projected onto other people. So, for instance, here is an example of a projected fear. I see a friend leave the building, but she doesn't say goodbye to me. I project onto her that she doesn't like me anymore. Next time I see her, I avoid her. All she did was leave the building. The story I told myself is that she left without speaking to me because she doesn't like me. Why did I choose that story? I chose that story because that was my fear. I feared that she was not liking me anymore. I have put into her my fear, which is that she doesn't like me anymore. I can't own that fear. I can't acknowledge to myself that I fear that because I am ashamed of that. I can't feel my feelings of fear and insecurity. So instead of feeling them, I put that motive into her action, and then I am hurt by her supposed rejection. And now she is the problem, and my fear never sees the light of day we project that which we deny the heart knows what our fears are and unacknowledged fear has the power to throw us in the jail and throw the key away let's take that key back by feeling our feelings by receiving the intelligence of the heart and by exposing our darkness to the light where it will lose some of its power And we will have the possibility of integrating it. Now, the one thing, the one thing I don't want you to take from that story is that you have to say goodbye to me when you leave the building. (laughs) I wish I thought people. About a third of us think tasks. About a third of us think people. And about a third of us think ideas. I think ideas I will not know whether you are in the building or out, or whether you left or not. And I wish I did, okay? So, But here's what I will tell you. I have done plenty of projecting, and I still do, all right? So do not worry about me. You do not have to say goodbye. (laughs) If you do, I will hug you and love you, so... All right, an integrated darkness is a darkness that won't get projected onto others. Sometimes the heart tells us what we are afraid of through the feeling of defensiveness. When you feel defensive, what is it that you are defending? What is it that you're refusing to own? Here's a cheat sheet of some of the things that we fear. and Most of us fear one more than the other's. Some of us fear being controlled by others. Some of us fear separation or annihilation. Some of us fear being bad or corrupt. Some of us fear being unloved. Some of us fear being worthless with no achievements. Some of us fear having no personal significance. Some of us fear being useless or incapable. And some of us fear being deprived or trapped in pain. So let's say you do what I say, and you decide to feel your feelings. And one day you wake up, and you're feeling lethargic and dispirited and flattened. You're feeling your feelings. Yay! (laughs) And when you inquire about the story you are telling yourself you discover that there has been a series of data points that have convinced you that you have wasted your whole life and that you are a fraud and a coward. Now what? Well, there is a variety of tools available, not the least of which is this is a story I'm telling myself. But in the moment, you can't be talked out of the validity of your story. And so when you inquire into your story, you might find that it just happens to coincide with your worst fear. And your worst fear will become a place of torment. So here is something you might try. It's a trick, and it also happens to be true a lot of the time. Matthew five twenty five says, Agree with your enemy quickly while you are on the way with him. Lest your enemy deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Would you agree that sometimes our feelings throw us into jail? Would you agree that sometimes our feelings cause us torment? One of the reasons we do not, we do so much censoring of our feelings is because we don't know what to do with them if we do feel them. So here I am saying, oh, yes, feel your feelings. And I'm also saying that if you do, some of your feelings will feel like your enemy. A green quickly is a way to integrate your worst fear. So if your fear is that you are a fraud and a coward and that you have wasted your whole life, try a green, yes, yes, I am a coward. Yes, I am a fraud. And yes, I have wasted my whole life. And the truth of the matter is, if the whole thing is not true, odds are, part of it probably is. The truth of the matter is, we are capable of anything given the right set of circumstances. And then the next step is to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for being a coward. Forgive yourself for being a fraud. Forgive yourself for having wasted your life. Say the words, I forgive myself for being a coward. I forgive myself for being a fraud. I forgive myself for wasting my life. Notice that we are going along with this as though it is all completely and totally true. We are not arguing with the validity or the non-validity of our feelings. We agree and then we forgive. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. I am forever forgiving myself for being human. Now what is interesting is if we are unwilling to agree quickly and to forgive, then there might be a reason behind that is because you're attached to it. And the reason you're attached to it is for some reason you like the torment. And so that's also a possibility. And the Lord is gracious in that the day will come when we get tired of the torment. And when we get tired of the torment, we will let it go. So value the intelligence of your feelings. Create a safe space for your feelings to emerge refuse to censor your feelings agree quickly with those feelings that you would rather not acknowledge forgive yourself when your feelings accuse you and number 3 the final reason for feeling your feelings and for nurturing your heart is because is because God leads you through desire and desire is a feeling it is vitally important to know what you desire. You have to establish a want. After you establish a want, then you can let it go or you can negotiate it or you can fight for said desire. But that is what we use the other two centers of intelligence for, to figure out what to do with desire. What to do with want but too many of us delete desire or delete want before they have ever have the chance to see the light of day let's say that you're like me and your heart illiterate you wouldn't know a warm feeling from a scared feeling from a bored feeling and i'm not quite that bad but i'm pretty bad If you're heart illiterate, I would suggest that you start off small. And here are two stories of me starting off small. I know myself well enough to know that if I have a feeling that I consider irrational, that means it will be automatically dismissed. So I made a note to myself, and the note said, if what you are feeling is irrational, Do not delete. So, a little while later, I noticed that I had a warm feeling when I had a lot of quarters in my car. Oh, look, I have a lot of quarters in my car. Oh, look, I also have a warm feeling around the quarters in my car. (laughs) For most of my life, that warm feeling that comes with having quarters would have never registered. I consider that irrational. After all, I don't drive on roads that have tolls. (laughs) I consider that silly. I consider that worthy of dismissing. Now, remember, I had purposed in my heart to not censor desires based on irrationality. So I allowed myself to acknowledge to myself, that having quarters in my car made me happy. So what did I do? I went out and bought $10 worth of quarters and put them in my car. (laughs) They have since become symbols to me to honor all of my feelings and act on some of them. That is called starting small. It's also called pathetic. (laughs) (laughs) another way I started small was to pay attention to what I felt like when I wore certain clothes did I feel confident did I feel ashamed did I feel congruent did I feel like I could forget myself and focus on you did I feel like I was trying to disappear and pretend I didn't exist my heart was telling me what she liked and what she didn't like was I going to listen Was I going to dismiss her feelings? Was I going to diminish her desire because they got in the way of me getting stuff done? Or in my case, get it in my way of me wasting my time? After all, if I listened to her, I might have to change my clothes. Or I might have to get rid of certain clothes. Or I might have to trust my wants and needs and desires. So if I put certain clothes on and I felt no peace or I didn't feel congruent, I made myself change my clothes and I huffed and I puffed in exasperation and I changed my clothes. And yes, I did the uncomfortable work of getting rid of clothes I had paid too much for. It was an excellent exercise of honoring my heart and her intelligence. Listening to her desires and not dismissing them. So nurturing your heart means honoring that she is intelligent and that she is worth listening to and that she is worth the work that is involved in listening to her. You start small and you watch for that warm feeling. Our hearts are the seats of desire, both large and small, significant and insignificant. If you refuse to feel your feelings of insecurity and your feelings of vanity and your feelings of pride and your feelings of lust and your feelings of gluttony and your feelings of anger and your feelings of fear and your feelings of stinginess, you are also not going to be able to feel the feelings of peace and joy and strength. And God leads us through feelings of peace and joy and strength. The way forward is by following peace. When did I feel peace? When did I feel joy? When did I feel energy? When did I feel strong? Go there. Do that again. There you will find God, and there you will find God's will. So we will end this morning by reviewing what we covered. We talked about the wonderfulness of nurturing your heart, yea, even the necessity of nurturing your heart. We defined the heart as having one-third of the intelligence you need to do well on this earth and define God's will. We said that nurturing our hearts meant acknowledging it as an intelligence equal to the intelligence of your mind and your instincts. We said that nurturing our hearts meant listening to it and letting it know that we will listen we would listen to it and decide not to censor our feelings. We said that nurturing our hearts meant being open to sorrows and fears and desires. We said that nurturing our hearts allowed us to feel our sorrows, which allowed us to grieve our sorrows, which would in turn allow our sorrows to be healed. We said that nurturing our hearts allowed us to feel our fears, instead of projecting them or defending against them, thereby allowing us to integrate our fears. We said that nurturing our hearts meant being willing to agree quickly with those feelings that we consider to be enemy-like, especially those feelings that we consider reprehensible. We said that nurturing our hearts meant forgiving ourselves for having feelings we disapprove of, for being human. We said that nurturing our hearts meant being willing to start small in acting on our desires. And then the best part of all is that when we do the work, our hearts will give us the gift of desire and we will be attuned to peace and joy and strength which is how God leads us. So let us pay attention to our hearts, nurture it, and follow desire. So thank you.